Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. You know, we've recently seen another uh, instance in which the will of the people and the law of God together have been denied by five persons. And that's the recent Supreme Court decision on gay marriage. Uh, We've had that problem here in North Carolina. Again, we voted overwhelmingly here, something like 67 or 68 percent, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And yet five people, for no reason, took it upon themselves to deny not only the will of the people, but God's law to impose something upon us that is we know is contrary, immoral, and wrong. The truth of the matter is the Supreme Court cannot make law. It says in Article One, Section One of the U.S. Constitution that all legislative powers reside within Congress. All. That means the Supreme Court has zero lawmaking powers. And what they often appeal to is the Supremacy Clause, Article Six, Paragraph Two of the U.S. Constitution to say, oh, well, the Supreme Court has supremacy. They get to determine what's law and what isn't law. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that when you look at the Supremacy Clause, the first shocking thing is the Supreme Court's not even mentioned in it. And the second thing is federal courts aren't even mentioned in it. What actually has supremacy is the Constitution itself and all laws made in accordance therewith. So this is the fiction that they've created. It was created by the Supreme Court itself this idea of the supremacy cause belonging to the Supreme Court being the final arbiter. And it's an attack upon true federalism. It's an attack upon what our founders established. They fully expected all other branches of government to resist any branch of government that made uh, actions, policies, laws, or opinions that were repugnant to the Constitution itself. Every magistrate in this nation takes an oath, not an oath of subservience, to the federal government, they take an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution. So therefore, when any branch decides to play the tyrant, as is the case here with this mere opinion by the Supreme Court, it's more incumbent than ever upon every other branch of government to resist that tyrant and to rein in their tyranny. So this is an important aspect of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate for people to understand so that they're not hoodwinked. And what the lesser magistrates often do, Dr. Dan, I've watched it for years now, is they hide behind this fiction. They tell people, well, you know, I'm against preborn babies being slaughtered, or I'm against homosexual marriage, but a federal court has ruled. All I can do is obey. And that is a lie. They are not to obey. In fact, more than ever, they have a duty 
to stand against the Supreme Court in this case for deciding to play the tyrant. And our own legislature and our own Supreme Court did exactly that in the 1850s. In the 1850s here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I'm from, our Wisconsin legislature and our Wisconsin Supreme Court defied the federal government, interposed, and defied the federal government and defied the U.S. Supreme Court over the Federal Fugitive Slave Act. We had a slave here named Joshua Glover who was arrested in Racine, just south of Milwaukee, brought up to jail, the county jail here in Milwaukee, and a newspaper publisher printed up some handbills and rode his horse up and down the streets of Milwaukee, yelling, a man's liberty is at stake, rally at the courthouse at 2 p.m., and over 5,000 people showed up. He was even stunned how many came. And they literally broke the slave out of jail. He spent two weeks on the Underground Railroad, made it out of ship in the Port of Racine, went to Canada and died of old age 26 years later. Well, the federal government was mad. You know, the slave got away. So they decided to go after Sherman Booth, the newspaper publisher who had printed the flyer. And they charged him under the Federal Fugitive Slave Act. And our Wisconsin legislature and our Wisconsin Supreme Court interposed on Sherman's booth behalf, and they, um, it took the federal marshals over four years to finally arrest Sherman Booth after they had charged him with this crime. And here's what our Wisconsin legislature said in 1859 while this was playing out. It said, resolved, that this assumption of jurisdiction by the federal judiciary in the said case and without process is an act of undelegated power and therefore without authority, void, and of no force. You know, you bring up a very, that's a very famous case of interposition, uh, and those of us who understand the Constitution and have read about it really know about that case. And what this really points up is that really important fact is that the federal government, all three branches of the federal, federal government, are the creation of the states. They were created by the states, and therefore they do not have power over their creators. Uh, That concept is so important because if you could have the Supreme Court part of the creation interpreting whether the creators can do this or that, the federal government is literally able to do anything it wants, and the Supreme Court merely rubber stamps and say, oh, sure, go right ahead. That's okay. And that was clearly in no way on the minds of the founders of this country when they wrote that Constitution. That federal government was supposed to be severely limited to the 18 enumerated powers in Article One, Section 8. Nothing more. They even put in two amendments, ninth and 10th, which said, if we didn't say you could do it, and even if we don't if we, even if there's something you think you can do that we didn't even talk about, you still can't do it because the only things you can do are those 18 things in Article One, Section 8. That's the way it was supposed That's to be. Absolutely. Yeah, Madison, you know, said in Federalist Number 45, the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution of the federal government are few and defined. Few and defined. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. And what we have here now is the states have been reduced to being mere implementation centers for unjust, immoral laws, policies, and court opinions by the federal government. And you're absolutely right. Our founders never expected that to be the case. They never thought that that's um, how things should be. They expected the states to interpose, to intervene, 
um, when the general government or the federal government behaved unconstitutionally. In fact, you know, in the Virginia Resolution of 1798, just 11 years after the ink had dried in the Constitution, James Madison, known as the architect or the father of the Constitution itself, took the federal government to task because it had already gone outside its constitutional restraints at that young age of our nation. And he said in part in the Virginia Resolution, he said the states or parties there to, parties to the U.S. Constitution he was talking about, have the right and are in duty bound to interpose for arresting the progress of evil. So our founders totally expected the states to defy when the federal government behaved this way. They never expected them to just lay down and comply and go along with this immorality by the federal government. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after this break. You're listening to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We pick up where we left off with the interview with Matt Truella. Well, that's absolutely true. And they, they did expect, and that's what the Virginia and Kentucky resolutions were all about. And you're right, it, it only took 11 years for the federal government to feel its oats and say, well, we're going to do what we want. And the only reason that the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions did not succeed was political which is why what I said is nullification, which is constitutional, has political aspects to it. The northern states uh, the northern states didn't want to go to long for political reasons. Turn it around a few years later when uh, Jefferson wanted to place an embargo on goods from Tripoli because of the Barbary pirates. Well, the northern states said no way because the whaling trade would have been uh, affected. So nullification, which should have been that a great tool from each state uh, to say, no way, you ain't going to do that. Uh, Politics always seems to get in the way. But let's talk about the practical. Right now, today, we have issues where the lesser magistrates and the people must stand up. Let's talk about today, right now, what do we have to do? What are the issues where interposition of the lesser magistrates is an absolute must? Well, to me, you know, um, the slaughter of the preborn, the shedding of innocent blood, um, that's paramount, absolutely paramount. And that, that um, we've had 40-plus years of this bloodshed without one governor, one legislature, not one mayor, not one city council ever standing in defiance of that simple federal court opinion astounds me. I'm just astounded by it. And now there's been many others that have been added to it. You see the trampling of states regarding immigration. You've seen the attacks that have been made from time to time regarding the Second Amendment. And, of course, Obamacare and that terrible ruling that just took place where they said, well, we don't care what the law says, we'll just fill in the gaps so that Obamacare can move forward which is an attack upon our, pers- our persons and our liberty. And, of course, homosexual marriage. And homosexual marriage is really something that is awakening a lot of people because you're talking about the very rudimentary foundations of society. You're talking about the absolute perverting of God's establishment of family, and it's found within the created order. All nations, all cultures have always followed the idea of men and women <laughs> marrying and having children, even the... Supreme Court had to admit in their Windsor case that there's never been a nation in the history of the world 
that has legalized homosexual marriage, and that this is something totally foreign as far as man has ever known. And so people are awakening to this, realizing something must be done. And so I've, I've seen, I don't know about you, Dr. Dan, but I think I've seen more people waking up to the truths that you're talking about on your show now than ever before. And it's because, you know, people will put up with a long train of abuses, like our founders said. They'll try to forbear, but there reaches a point where you can't. You can't ignore it anymore. You have to get involved. You have to say, wait a minute, this, I cannot just continue to pursue my wealth and ease any longer. This is so egregious, so immoral, so despicable. I have to take action. And for a lot of people, that moment has now come. And there seems to be a will amongst the people to take action. There was a Rasmussen poll that came out just a week before the Obamacare and Obergefell or homosexual marriage rulings came out. It found that 34% of Americans now believe it's time for the states to openly defy the federal judiciary. And that was a 9% increase from just four months earlier of their polling. And I can guarantee you since the Obamacare and homosexual marriage rulings, it's definitely higher than 34%. You know as well as I do, that's massive. That is a huge number. And so now it needs to be translated into action, actual interposition. And so I see that happening where people are waking up, talking about the Constitution, getting involved for the first time ever in their lives um, regarding these matters. And that's what I see right now. It's encouraging. Well, it definitely is encouraging. And, and, and I recognize from my point of view, uh, for me, uh, the Planned Parenthood issue that is right before us today is kind of a watershed issue. Uh, as a physician, I mean, I fully believe that life is divine, that everyone's life was a gift from God, and it began at conception. Uh, but when you have a group of people, okay, who can take a living preborn infant and say, I can kill, I can take this and kill this because it is dead, and then say, but I'm going to take its parts out, I'm going to dismember it, okay, and sell its parts. That, that to me is such a, an egregious example of, uh, I don't know what, I mean, not, not just immorality, but how can it be alive enough to give its parts but yet not alive so that you can kill it. Not only just kill it, mm -hmm. but, to but torture it to death. Uh, that just blows my mind, how, that, how people can sit there with, with no expression and just say there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There is everything yes. wrong with that. Everything, everything, everything is wrong with that. Yes, and so the interposition, you know, I, I keep looking at people, this is what I find, Dr. Dan, they're enthralled with federal politics. You ever notice that? Like, they're all dazzled about the latest group of presidential candidates. And what they've been doing for decades, and I watch it, I'm 55 years old now, is they sit there and they all hand-ring. Well, we got to wait till the next presidential candidate, or we got to wait for the new Congress or that next Supreme Court justice appointee. And it never comes to fruition because the federal government will never bring the solution to our nation's ills. The federal government is one of the focal points of why our nation has ills. <laughs> you know, they're the ones who's foisted it. 
And this whole idea of waiting for a federal solution is such utter nonsense. I've watched this when it comes to the Republicans, for example. They stampede the Christians into voting for their candidate every four years under the guise of, if the Democrat wins, he gets to appoint the Supreme Court justices, and then we won't be able to overturn Roe v. Wade. You've got to vote for our guy so we can overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, the truth of the matter is, six of the nine justices were Republican appointed when Roe v. Wade was ruled on in 1973. And for the next 40 years after that, the Republicans always had the majority Republican uh, Supreme Court justice appointees either 7 to 2 or 8 to 1. And yet abortion still continues. The slaughter of the preborn still continues in our nation. It's like people can't see they're being played like Charlie Brown gets played by Lucy. Lucy holds a little football. Charlie Brown knows she's going to pull it out. He always does it. She convinces him yet again, I will not pull the football away when you run up to kick it. He runs up to kick it. Sure enough, she pulls it away. That's just how the Christians have been in this nation. They need to get a clue, and they need to um, demand total abolition of this slaughter and being accomplished by the interposition of their magistrates at the state level. They have to make this the demand. If they don't, we're going to see another 40 years of this bloodshed in our nation. Because there's one thing about, one thing about politicians that everybody needs to understand. If you give a politician something less than what is needed and necessary, he'll always take it every single time. So you have to make the demand, and you have to hold them to it. This demands interposition, such egregious things like the slaughter of the innocent, like saying homosexual marriage is legitimate. Those things should not be countenance for one day. So hopefully more and more people will wake up to these things. Uh, but one of the problems, as you know, we have in America, including within Christianity, is we have a fat people, you know, who are um, imbued with the pursuit of wealth and ease. Well, we can hope, and we can work, and we can yes. try... We can try together to get enough people, like you mentioned, the 34%, who will grow at some point uh, to, the, to, to where they will demand of their lesser magistrates that interposition does occur, occur. Do you have some final thoughts for us? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's very important that you know, we draw close to God during this time in our nation's history that we live our lives in service and fealty to him, and that we look well to our homes. It's very important, because right now you don't have a government or culture at large that supports the good virtues that are needed for the raising of sons and daughters. So it's really incumbent upon you at a very personal level um, to maintain a good relationship with your spouse and with your sons and your daughters and to govern well in your house so that they remain true to him and follow after him. And... Um, Make sure that is being done while you participate in these public matters that need to be addressed and which are crying for Christian people to be involved in. The worst thing Christians have done is they've abandoned the realm of civil government, and we see what happens now. Wicked men fill the void, and now their worldview is being imposed upon all of Western civilization. Matt Truella, this has been a most compelling and interesting discussion, important the future of our nation really depends upon men like you talking about the issues that you're talking about. 
getting your message out, our message out, the importance of family, the importance of morality, and most important, the importance of God himself, his word, his law, and all of the blessings and morality that flow from believing that his word is the law and that our constitution and government, based on that, that his word and law must be preserved and obeyed. Thank you so very, very much for being a guest, Matt Druella, on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. God bless you. God bless you, too. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning.